Today on I'll Have You Know. It's, it's so profound to see how people are paying more attention to mind, mind, body, spirit, or mental health or uh, well-being uh, versus what they did 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Ambitious and driven, Ritesh Chef entered rice business with some specific corporate goals in mind. But as he reached those milestones, he found he was lacking balance. It was at that point that the scales started tilting to his yoga practice and meditation and eventually led him to an entirely different career path. Joining us today, Ritesh, uh, thank you so much for being on I'll Have You Know. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So first of all, let, let's go back to, um, I guess, what sort of led you to rice business initially? I know you're, you're an Aggie from undergrad. Talk a little bit about what you did before uh, going to rice business and what drew you there. Sure. So um, I did, right out of undergrad, I, I, I did management consulting. I worked for PwC. I thought I was just called Price Waterhouse. <laughs> but um, I worked for PwC as, a, as an SAP consultant. And then um, I worked for a joint venture group between EDS and AT Kearney. Uh, and then after that, I spent a couple of years with SAP in uh, pre-sales systems engineering work, as well as billable consulting work. And um, I just knew I didn't really want to do tech. And I applied to various universities and Rice was in my backyard. And, and I always grew up thinking Rice is a great school. So um, I ended up getting in and uh, Peter Baruki, uh, we miss him dearly, but he was really instrumental helping me get on board at Rice. So I'm really grateful to, uh, to Peter. And um, I just really enjoyed the experience uh, with the, the faculty, the teachers. My, uh, um, I'm still in touch with some students. In fact, some of the students are overseas and some students are just doing amazing things. And uh, it's really cool to, to still be in touch with them. So when you went to Rice Business initially, what were your goals and were they the same coming out of business school? Because I know for a lot of people, once they get in the program, what they maybe think they were there for or wanted to do afterwards sort of changes and evolves. What was that like for you? I, you know, I, I started off at Rice wanting to do uh, product marketing and I ended up graduating after I took uh, applied finance. I, I really thought finance was cool. Like I really found it interesting and I just didn't, I, I don't feel like I, I, I had the time or the capacity, actually. It was, it was really something difficult and new, and I just didn't really have the uh, the desire, if you will. And then um, I, I got hired as a product manager at Dell, and then a week before I was supposed to start, they said, hey, we need you in pricing. And so I ended up uh, diving much deeper into financial analysis and pricing, and I ended up working at Global Finance at Dell for a number of years. So um, I finally got my opportunity to go die hard into finance. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, and then I did a bunch of real estate investments on the side. So it was pretty cool. I'm really grateful that that Rice had us do uh, various courses and gave me a chance to kind of shift from marketing to finance. What were some of the highlights of the program for you? Uh, for Rice, I you know I think the highlights were um, really twofold: the, the relationships that I got a chance to build, and just some amazing people I got to network with. And then um, secondfold is the faculty like as i've been i'm still in touch with some of the faculty on facebook and and it's just really cool to think that we had world-class faculty at rice so you've talked a little bit about uh the stress the stresses of you know going to grad school and just really we all have stresses in our life but for you 
facing those stresses was, was life-changing in more ways than one, because it really uh, pushed you in a different direction career-wise. Can you talk about that? So I was a really hard-charging um, MBA grad, and uh, I was really ambitious. I uh, got to director level in corporate, and I, I was doing super well, and, and I was buying um, lots of different multifamily real estate properties. And I think I just finally kind of hit burnout. And then, and then actually towards my, towards my end of burnout, I ended up getting recruited by another company in a director capacity. And I was really excited about the role, but two years into that, the parent company come and, came and swallowed up the uh, subsidiary and I was just out of work. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I need the money anymore. And so, I mean, I, not, not for the kind of lifestyle that, that I lead. And, and I was really passionate about the balance of like working really hard and then playing hard, but then being able to find some peace in it all, right? Like, like it's one thing to work crazy hours and then go party like a rock star on the weekend and be hung over on Saturday or Sunday. And, but it's, it's another to be able to work really hard and then like socialize. Like the older I got, the more I just wanted really high quality friendships and companionship. And so, and so I really treasured um, relationships a lot more as, as I got, as I got older. And instead of partying like a rock star and getting hung over, I wanted to be able to experience uh, some bliss or some peace. And um, that, that, that ability to be able to manage stress better and not have, all that pressure that was on my shoulders, if you will. And so I think meditation and yoga really helped with breath work, yoga, meditation. When I think um, where you're coming from, that's a position that a lot of people face, I think, um, whether it's the corporate world or something they've been doing a long time, and then they come to the realization that, that maybe is, is that all there is or what else is out there and just finding balance. I think there's a lot more awareness about that today and a lot of a lot more conversation about that would you agree absolutely yeah there's 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 so many national bestseller books on happiness and on balance on breath work and meditation and and i see one after another in fact one of my students from albuquerque new mexico just mailed me a book that mentioned uh that mentions my meditation teacher and the uh, art of living and it was uh, it was pretty cool and and it's a book it's a book called breath all about breath work and meditation um and it's just, it's just so profound to see how people are paying more attention to mind, mind, body, spirit, or mental health or uh, well-being uh, versus what they did 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. So I think there's a big emphasis, even in movies now, you're seeing panic attacks in movies. And uh, what's that one famous movie, Iron Man, I think, that, that, uh, that, that uh, Iron Man starts getting a panic attack. I mean, that's... <laughs> powerful to think about how people have such an emphasis now on not only happiness like I used to always hear about happiness but now it's I feel like it's there's a greater emphasis on um like mind body health and and I think that people understand that you know it's not just about um either your professional uh, excellence or your personal excellence your physiological excellence but it's rather a balance if you will so I think people feel that now how did you um, become so knowledgeable? Take us sort of on the journey of how you became, you went from a, a student to now a very passionate teacher. So I, I ran into my teacher uh, back in 2003 while I was at Rice, actually. Um, his name is Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. Uh, like I said, he's the founder of the Art of Living Foundation. And um, I did his coursework in around 2005. I kind of stumbled into it. 
very transformative. I did some other courses like Landmark Forum and um, and uh, different courses at UT Austin as well on uh, mindfulness and self-compassion. Dr. Kristen Neff wrote this book on self-compassion. So really just really wanted to deal with stress and burnout and just really high-pressure roles in, uh, in corporate. And then running my own company. I, I started and sold a company from 2009 to 2012 and, um, or 2013. And so it was just a lot of uh, stress and how to, how to balance that, if you will. So take us on the journey of how, how you became, how you went from student to um, learning what you needed to, do, to learn to become now a teacher and a very passionate teacher yeah. at that. Yeah, sure. So, so around 2013, I decided to focus more on yoga and, re- and working out and, um, and meditation. And so I ended up doing a teacher training in um, yoga and then I did another teacher trainer teacher training in breath work I did one in Los Angeles and I did one in uh, Bangalore India and I spent about six weeks I spent about six weeks in India doing different courses and studying much deeper and teacher training and then um, I kept on going back to India to go deeper and deeper into yoga and meditation and I finally saw this um, it was masters in naturopathic medicine and yogic sciences and when I saw that I was like wow, this looks so cool. I'd love to do it. So from 2014 to 2016, I stayed in um, a southeastern state in India called Odisha. And I spent two years uh, getting a master's degree there. And I, and I got a chance to really practice and study with just some amazing, amazing, um, really senior teachers, senior meditation and, and yoga teachers. And so when I came out of that, I was, I was a certified yoga instructor. And I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. So while you were going through this process to go from a very uh, productive, demanding career, uh, corporate role to something that's very relaxed and, and focused, how do you make that shift? Because I think, I think that a lot of people would say, well, that would be difficult to, you know, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but just kind of like, I guess, um, maybe were there stages where you kind of learn to relax more and um, you just kind of have to, um, take, take it down a few notches as far as like intensity and that kind of thing. I still run a couple of businesses that I'm a passive investor in, if you will. Um, so I have property managers in San Antonio and in Austin, and then I have, um, another startup out of UT, um, running another business of mine. So I'm still actively focused on work and, and, and professional endeavors and business, but now it's more passive. And now I'm much more active with uh, with with mind body health work in hospitals, mm-hmm. and studios, and whatnot. And I think that I think the transition from working like crazy to now having this this balance, if you will, um, is really present moment awareness more than anything. Just being fully present to this moment. You know what, what I tell my yoga students is that we're so oftentimes focused on planning and worrying, and then our mind oscillates to the past, regretting or glorifying the past. And rarely are we fully present to this moment, right? And how often do we simply allow this moment to just be a happening? Like thinking about nothing else but what's right. Like you are right in front of me right now. I have nothing else to think about, right? Just completely present to this moment. So so I feel like mind-body health work, uh, breath work, meditation, yoga, it brings us fully to this moment. And I think the transition was, this racing, oscillating mind of constant worries and stress and planning to now being really focused on what's in front of me. 
I think there's a lot of talk about how being fully present really um, encourages happiness for most people. That's kind of a, the key to happiness. I feel like there's a few things, and, and it may differ for different people, but but I feel like being present to this moment and really selfless service, like caring for others, helping others. Um, there's an old uh, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, you know, if you want happiness for different durations, do different things. But ultimately, if you want happiness for a lifetime, serve others, right? And and so I feel like now my 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 focus is on is on teaching, on connecting with my students, on checking in and seeing how they're doing, how their families are doing, their kids, and um, and and helping them in in really any way I can. You know, I've I've got one friend of mine that I met met recently, and she's struggling with ovarian cancer. So I connected her with Runsi Sen, who's who's the founder of uh, Ovaric Came, I think, uh, one of the Ovarian Cancer Foundation. Yes, so, she's so been it's a guest. So cool to be able to like connect. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so wonderful to connect people and help them in, really in, in any way I can. So I think that 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 spirit of of being fully present to now, of doing the work for um, for yourself and for others, right? And so one of my students uh, recently said, uh, he said you know, I feel like I've got this ripped and washboard mind. And I thought, how cool is that? Because <laughs> you don't hear that that often, right? Right, so, right. Uh, I thought it's that, a great way to describe something that's so intangible, you can't see, but you can feel. And something my, my teacher once said, he said, you know, if you meditate for 20 minutes twice a day, in the morning or evening or whenever you can, he said, you'll never have issues with Alzheimer's or with dementia. And so your mind stays clean, just like your body is fit. Your mind can be fit as well. That's fascinating. When you work with different students, would you say there are one or two like common threads or issues that you see come up again and again, or is every person just vastly different with what they need to work on? So I do work with um, inpatients and outpatients as well. And so you'll, 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 you'll definitely see a, a different flavor there. I've seen people deal with uh, death have struggled with addiction. Um, in, in mainstream, working with uh, like at yoga studios and, and, and at AMD headquarters and whatnot, um, working with mainstream folks, um, what I tend to see is people that are looking for a way to relax more than anything. Like they've got this stress, they've got this monkey on their back or this, this you know, this tension in their shoulders and they're just stressed and their or their mind is racing and they're just looking for an outlet to relax, maybe get some, uh, and get some uh, get some flexibility, some exercise at the same time. So so it's nice to be able to combine that and say, okay, we can help you get more flexible and better shape. But we can also really emphasize uh, meditation, breath work, and so you can do you can kind of do both, um, and and at almost at the same time. But Sri Sri Ravi Shankar he says that um, all of the asana work, if you will, like like what we think of in the West as yoga is like a yoga class. All of the the asanas, the postures, the, the, the focus on flexibility, but ultimately it's all designed for one thing. So you can sit and re- you can rest and you can sit for meditation really quietly without having to stir your body around. So, so all that yoga work is so that you can still the body and then you can still the mind. So going to a yoga class could, um, could I guess account for that meditation? You wouldn't necessarily have to do it separately. Yeah, I, I highly recommend learning the uh, the Sudarshan Kriya. It's so powerful and it's so transformative. It was, it was actually written up on a website called uh, Bulletproof Executive, and it was, it was one of their six recommended things to do: is learn 
the uh, Art of Living Happiness Program or Part 1 course uh, and learn that technique called the Suzarshana. So they also call it the Sky Breath Meditation Course. So if someone wants to learn more, is that sort of where they should start? Yeah, I, I, I recommend just, just going to an introductory talk and uh, just Google the Art of Living Foundation. I think it's super powerful. I mean, I've done all sorts of different yoga courses, but I mean, that's the most transformative thing, uh, that, that I've ever experienced. What do you think is the maybe biggest um, misconception about or misperception about yoga or starting yoga? I think the biggest uh, misperception is that it's difficult or you have to sit still and I can't sit still or, or you have to be really disciplined and you don't, you just, uh, no, just go with the flow. I remember, you know, my first yoga instructor, she was really pretty. And, and my sister wanted me to go back in 2004. And I was like, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> she was really, really cute. And, uh, and, I, and I got to know her, we're friends and, but it's funny though, you know, it, it could be anything, you know, and, and uh, I think the key is just going, right? Just just give it a shot and see how you feel and, and make note of how you feel when you walk into the class and make note of how you feel when you get out of the class. And I want to ask you a little more about breathing. Um, do you think it, breathing is something that we don't recognize the importance and power of it? And, and it's something that maybe most of us, and I'll admit myself in this kind of ignore it. Yeah. I, you know, oftentimes what, what I noticed is when I was at Rice and especially when we were working so hard in our uh, courses and, and class exams, all that stuff, right. We breathe really shallow through the lungs. And when we, when we take a moment to, uh, to breathe fully into the lungs, pushing the diaphragm down, expanding the belly out, and then we exhale out the nostrils. So, so, so here, let's just try it. So, so take a deep breath in, let it go. Now breathe fully in the lungs, pushing the diaphragm down, expanding the belly out. Really focus there. And let it go. And just notice the shift, right? Were you breathing like that just a couple of minutes, like a minute ago? No, right? No. We, we breathe really shallow through the chest. We typically, on average, only use about 30% of our lung capacity. But through, through breath work, we can get closer to 80 or 90% lung capacity. Wow. And, and the oxygen in the air is what, is what oxygenates the cells in the body. And through the Kriya, you're able to realign the nervous system, oxygenate the cells throughout the whole body. I mean, my, my cholesterol went down. My triglycerides went down. My health improved so much after, uh, after practicing. So it was kind of... I, I made a consistent practice and within a few years, the transformation was profound. And does that uh, breath work and, and oxygen capacity, does that carry over to, if you're really into something that's heavy cardiovascular work, you know, whether it's biking or running or that kind of thing? I think so. Like I, I'm a gym rat. I mean, I, I, I love the gym and I, I go to lifetime here in Austin and um, I actually met, one of our other Rice MBA alums there as well. It's <laughs> pretty <laughs> cool, but it's it's so powerful to um, to be able to be calm and focused, and then be a hundred percent present to working out. Um, back in two thousand eight or two thousand nine, um, kind of went through my meathead phase, and I was able to lift the entire weight stack, and I felt like the I felt like the yoga, breathwork, meditation helped me to really focus on being so 
present to working out that there was nothing. I had, I had no headphones, nothing, just super intense workout. So when we, when we talk about uh, stress, anxiety, all, all of those things, I think for, for a lot of people, there's never been a time in their lives such as now that, that we've experienced it, you know, like we have a lot of uncertainty. What have you seen in your, in your students? Have you found more people are looking to things like yoga and meditation and, and finding those, those ways to try and reduce their anxiety and, um, and stress and uncertainty? You know, I feel like people want more than anything, a sense of connection. They, they really, especially now, like people, mm-hmm. they really want to connect and they want to feel community. They want to feel better. And I think that when they practice yoga, when, when, even if they join for an online class for an hour, just, just an hour of yoga with, uh, with no distractions. Uh, you know, put yourself on an airplane mode, take the headphones out and just practice for somewhere between 20 minutes to an hour. And the transformation is just so beautiful to see. I, I had inpatients at one point, I was working with an inpatient. She was bouncing around the room, literally. And within an hour of being with the group, there's probably like maybe half a dozen inpatients I was working with. And at the end of that hour, she was as still as could be meditating. Her transformation was so profound that I was just like, what happened? But it's like just an hour of that, of that kind of being with yourself is so powerful. And we were able to drop all of the distractions, all of the electronics, all of the, you know, just, just the distractions of life. Right. And just take a, just take some time out for yourself, like get in a room without the kids or, um, the, the spouse uh, without the dog or the cat and just give yourself 20 minutes even. Yeah. I think we're all very overstimulated with, all, with, you know, media and technology and, and everything that's coming at us that maybe the pandemic has, has reminded us of the importance of that stillness and quiet alone time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just to, just to really enjoy uh, being with nature and going for a walk outside and getting in some of that fresh air. Like if you combine that, that, that proper breathing with fresh air, it's so powerful. There's so much energy in the fresh air outside, you know, get out of that. It's so nice that most people are not sitting in office buildings right now and they're working from home, but it's easy for them to, you know, just go for a walk outside, get some fresh air. There's so much just beautiful energy in that air. In India, they call it prana. In uh, China, they call it chi. And I think in the U S we just call it life energy. But there's there's something in the air, and when we get that fresh air, it just feels so good. And you just breathe it in, you know. It's just uh, it's so powerful. What is your uh, long term goal as a as a teacher? Do you have um, some additional things that that you want to do, you know, with your practice and teaching different students? Long term, more than anything, is to um, is to really get people to to meet my teacher. He's been so transformative and his presence is so powerful that more than anything, I just want people to get a chance, even if it's just once in their lifetime, to meet Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. He's, he's a world humanitarian. Um, he, he was instrumental in, in the peace talks in South America and um, he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, he's received several awards 
And I just think it's so powerful if, if you get a chance to just spend an evening with him, um, go to one of his talks or something. It's, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And, and if, and if more than anything in this lifetime, um, I just want people to experience, uh, the Sudarshan Kriya, that breathwork technique, because literally just one sitting had such a powerful and transformative effect on me. I, I was working with a young man in, um, in San Jose recently and he was having panic attacks. And um, I, I met him through a friend of a friend. And um, he, he had lost his job. And I said, look, um, why don't you do this course? Why don't we do some yoga and meditate together? And we did some guided meditation. I, um, I, I got him to enroll in the Art of Living Happiness program. And after that, he ended up getting multiple job offers. He got a job offer from like Nike and Fiserv and um, uh, Citibank or a few companies. And he, he stopped having panic attacks and he's practicing uh, more and he's just, he's better. And it's so powerful to see that, you know, when, when I feel like we have something to give to a human being and see their lives get better and transform it, it's the best thing in the world. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else. So maybe um, this curriculum should be added to Rice, the Rice business uh, courses, do you think? I would love that. In, in fact, I actually presented to the EMBAs a few years ago, I think. I was down in Houston, and I connected with, uh, with the healthcare professor, and I, I presented to one of the EMBA classes, and we did a guided meditation together. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was pretty cool. Yes, yeah, so I, would, I would love for that. I would really love for that. We did a meditation with, um, we had executive coaches, um, and we broke up into our groups, and I know each executive coach handles the sessions differently, but we did a guided meditation. And, um, I think it sort of surprised, uh, some of my cohort because they were thinking, you know, business school would all be all, you know, numbers and spreadsheets. And then we were sort of getting in touch with our inner selves. And I don't think everybody expected that. There's something there. I, I find it beautiful when people kind of come back to that space of silence and joy. There's nothing to be said. There's, you don't need to stand up or walk around or do it. You're just literally just being there, and so present and not a word, yet there's so much communicated. It's so powerful. If you could give advice uh, to, to someone who's really struggling right now, maybe they've lost their job and things are crazy at home and they, they don't even know where to begin. What would you tell them? I would say um, twofold. One is um, ask, ask a friend for help. And the second thing is help someone. And it takes, I think it takes a lot of courage and strength just to say, hey, I need help. And, and the second thing is look around. People really need help. Right? So just, I mean, just taking the moment to, to really care for others, um, you know, connect with others. You know, the next time you're going to send a text to a friend or family, don't. Get on the phone and just call them, right? People really need that sense of connection. Is there anything you would like to um, add as we close out this I'll Have You Know session? I would like to add that we have the energy that, that we carry and the energy that we walk around with every day, we share that with others, right? So like if you're in a good place, then you share that, that good mojo, if you will, right? You share that with others. And so just taking care of your own mental health, your own mind, body, spirit is a beautiful way of sharing with other people, right? When you feel uplifted and happy, or if you feel um, 
balance with stress. And if you feel like you can be present to other people, you're serving them. So just take, even if it's just five, 10 minutes, um, to just do something to improve your state of mind. It's such a powerful gift to uh, not only yourself, but to others. Thank you. That is amazing advice. Well, Ritesh, Chef, we thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you, Christina. Have a great day. It, it was an honor and a blessing. I, I hope everything goes well for you. Thank you. This has been I'll Have You Know. Thanks for listening. You can find links and more information about our guests, hosts, and announcements on our website, business.rice.edu. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts and leave us a comment while you're at it and let us know what you think. I'll Have You Know is a production of Rice Business and is sponsored by the Rice Business Alumni Board. The hosts of I'll Have You Know are myself, David Drugliever, and Christine Dobbin.